A stu stu Studio D production. God, Hannah, you gotta watch One Piece. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> it's so good. Last night's episode. This whole arc has been so fucking good. And it's so close. Anybody have anything to talk about? Have you guys heard the margarita song? Give me one margarita. I'm about to open Sit my Sit down. Life. I want to tell you a story. A really weird and messed up story. With murdering ghosts and gobbly ghouls. It's all really fucked up, so don't you be fooled. Where she's like, give me one margarita. It's after family story time. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Effed Up Family Storytime. I'm Salem. And I'm Hannah. And here today we have Belle. Hey. Yeah. Woo. It's a mommy-daughter episode. Mommy. Yay. Mommy. Mama. <laughs> How are you guys doing today? Good. Good. Yeah. Are you guys preparing for something? Um, <sighs> next week's episode of One Piece. Oh, shut up. We're going to the Fallout Boy concert. We are going to the tonight. Fallout Boy concert yeah. tonight. And I'm very excited. I cried about that last night, too. After <laughs> I stopped watching <laughs> One Piece, I was crying about One Piece. And then I remembered that I was going to see Fallout Boy today. Because it was like one in the morning, it was technically today. And then I cried again. <laughs> and then I crawled into bed drunk next to Kyle, who was our um, <laughs> Our friend Devin has a theory that they texted me last night because Taylor Swift released yeah, Speak and Now. Yeah, it's so good. And there's a Fall Out Boy. Yeah, and it's so good. So, so <laughs> Fall Out Boy is on one of the songs on the Speak Now Taylor's version. And Taylor Swift has a concert in. Kansas City this weekend I think and then next weekend she's in Denver but tonight she doesn't have a concert she's like off tonight <gasps> and so Devin was like I swear to God if they pull out Taylor Swift to do that fucking song I'm gonna be so pissed I didn't buy tickets to the Fall Out Boy concert oh, no <laughs> they're not going no <clears throat> that's no, too bad it's Ryan Ryan Ryan's going Ryan yeah. is going and Ryan fronted me the money to buy tickets shout out he's shout a out true, Ryan I a finally paid friend. him back <laughs> I was offering the selfie pics on Instagram and Ryan was like <laughs> I can just buy it for you if you want to pay me back because <laughs> I was in between paychecks and I didn't want to risk them selling out <laughs> yeah Ryan's a doll he's a Ryan, doll adore Ryan we could talk about how Hannah, you have an audition this evening, don't you? I do. So we're going to the Fall Out Boy concert at six thirty. My audition is at six ten across town. <laughs> You're gonna be late to the concert. I will be late to the concert. But they shouldn't keep you from coming in. No, there's like I think I like not. three or four opening bands. You won't make yeah. it before Fallout. Or you won't be no. late for no, Fallout. You will make it before Fallout Boy. Yeah. I think they let like, me in late. What if they don't? They will. It's a concert. It's not it's not a play. At the, the biggest PA, PA. yeah, <laughs> they're gonna like wait in between each set and like <laughs> let no. you in in between. There's gonna be the drunk song. people falling downstairs. I, know. I think they'll I know. let you in. The biggest thing is just like no re-entry. Yeah, because and also you think about the number of people that only show up to see the, the headliner, headliner and just completely skip the opener. No re-entry though. No re-entry at most places. Really? Yeah. yeah. Once you're in, you got to stay, huh? Yeah. yeah. Do they have they smoking sections ticket. where you Most can go? Most places do. Uh-huh. Just curious, because that's annoying. It is annoying. Um, there's I know, like and a, who doesn't smoke at At the concert. Mission Ballroom, there's like this really cool, like, upstairs smoking patio thing. Have wow. you been to the Mission Ballroom? Uh, I, 
I don't think so. It I think maybe is once. located exactly where the 13th floor used to be. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, good luck with your audition. Break a leg. Break a leg. We won't talk anymore about it. We won't jinx it. We'll just come back with the information that you got what you wanted. I don't want to do theater. I've decided. <laughs> the more a, I think about stressful. it, the less. Well, it's so stressful. I and I was telling Kyle that like. The amount of emotional energy that is required just to do theater in the first place and tap into that like deep and vulnerable part of yourself, it already is so much. And then on top of that, the emotional energy that is required to put up with about half of the theater community God. as people is entirely too much. <laughs> there is that. And so then it's true. also the schedule and the amount of time that you have to put in just learning the lines. And the fact yeah. that you're working your for free. <laughs> and the, no, like some Not places pay center. you. Yeah. If I get if I get in and I get one of the roles that I'm auditioning for, I could get paid anywhere from five hundred to seven hundred dollars a week. That's cool. I heard that there a was week. a theater company that like Emma was doing stuff with that uh, like stole, stole all of all the, the money? tips yeah. and like hasn't paid any of their yeah. actors. Yeah. And that's why I don't do theater. <laughs> <laughs> Would you be interested in joining like a community band with me? That I might be I more interested around on in the doing. clarinet and you toot around on the flute and <laughs> we. <laughs> that, that because it would take less time because I would have to practice to remember how to play the flute. But I was second chair flute all the way through high school and I never took my flute out of the locker except for during <laughs> yeah, band. Yeah, no, me too. <laughs> so I, I don't think I would have to practice that much to be like fifth sixth or seventh chair no, flute, right and i'd be happy with that i'm fine i don't i have my clarinet you could see with and... this podcast that my drive to be number one is not that well, strong here's the thing <laughs> at least for clarinet the second and third chair parts were always way more fucking fun to play yeah i would agree with you um same with the flute um because the first chair just always played fucking high yeah just played super oh high. yeah and i never liked playing high on the clarinet it got to a point when I was learning how to play the clarinet where I was like, you want me to go how fucking high? And then I switched and I was like, no, I'm going to go low. I went bass clarinet and then I went contra bass clarinet. Well, and on the flute. Which I had to sit on a stool to use. It was so fucking big. On the flute, it is more difficult to play low than it is to play high. I mean, I'm not talking about like super, super high, but still it's more difficult to have a good tone and play like super low on yeah. the flute. And so I really enjoyed doing a lot that. more. Requires a lot of more strength than and your embouchure. Your like mouth has to be really like. <laughs> it helps if you make that noise while you're, you're blow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we should probably move on to the story. Do you think? Yes. All right. So this week, I am telling the story, Woo! and we are going to look at one of Britain's unsolved murders and still one of their most famous mysteries so jack the ripper no oh. no nothing that famous did jack the ripper I nothing that famous that we might have but i listened to a lot of podcasts right didn't just talk about jack the ripper did just do i think jack she the did so i don't remember we need yeah. a spreadsheet no i just looked at all of them yeah we do <laughs> yeah we did jack the ripper no, it's not that famous because I didn't know who it was until uh, I uh, looked it up. So we're going to talk about the killing of Julia Wallace. Anybody know who that is? No, no. All right. Okay. So 
On an evening in January 1931, Julia Wallace was found beaten to death in the parlor of her home at 29 Wolverton Street in Anfield, Liverpool. What year was this? I blacked. 1931. Thank you. So, Julia, she was a 52-year-old. They Well, she was about 52 years old. Around 52 years old. That's all I could find was that she was about 52 or around 52. So, I'm not sure how, exactly how old she was. She was a an amateur musician. And she was married to a man named William Wallace. And they'd been married for 16 years the day that she was found dead. So not not to the day, but when she was found Uh-oh. dead, they had been married 16 years. I was like, and they didn't catch the guy? Obviously, it's the <laughs> husband. <laughs> so that's kind of funny. You already think it's the husband? Well, I thought that when I thought that she had died on her anniversary. Okay. But also, it's the most... It is the most common. common. <laughs> and they usually are the first suspect. They usually are the first suspect. And yes. I would hope, for Kyle's sake, that if he ever got murdered, I would at least be questioned. Well, yeah, you would be questioned. <laughs> I, I don't would know, hope, though. I don't have a lot of faith in the police I would departments in this. <laughs> that when you are questioned, it is with enough objectiveness that they see that you're innocent, if you are innocent, and you didn't, don't get wrongfully convicted just Will because be you're the innocent? spouse. Well, I mean, that's the question, right? (laughs) That's what they have to find out. So we're going to talk about William a little bit. So William, he was also 52, and they were pretty firm on that whenever I... (laughs) He was 52. She was around. Maybe she was older than him. And in 1930, that feels taboo for some reason. And so they kept her age a secret. I did see one article that said she was 60, but... (gasps) That's really taboo. (laughs) It's the only one. So uh, William... He was a collection agent for Prudential Assurance. So he was basically an insurance agent. Uh, he was. So he had a lot of targets on his back. <laughs> Maybe. He was uh, said to be pretty meek, quiet, slow moving. He had a kidney issue that they didn't, I never really could find detail. I did see that he had a kidney removed when he was younger. And then ever since then, he had had reoccurrent kidney issues. And this caused him to be like slower, kind of sickly, not a really fast moving, upbeat guy, right? Same, William. So, not the kidney, but the slow and sickly. <laughs> interesting thing about William is he was a liberal back before liberals were a recognized party. So he was what's called a proto liberal. And one thing, one article quoted that he, that was the only blemish on his, which I think that's funny, <laughs> but at God. the time it was a blemish. Yeah. That was the only blemish on his, on his reputation. Uh, he was just an upstanding guy, right? The only blemish is he's not a fucking Tory. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would kill his wife, but again. That's usually. That could be the Tories. <laughs> All right. So we're going to go back to the night before. The murder occurred on Monday, 19th, January of 1931. William Wallace, he was headed to his chess club. He had a chess club that he attended once a week. And he arrived around 745 and he was scheduled to play a tournament that evening. But before he could get settled to play in the tournament, um, the captain of the club approached him with a message. He said that 20 minutes before he had arrived, there was a phone call for him from a Mr. R.M. Qualtro asking him to see him the following evening. And he left an address, um, 25 Men Love Gardens, 
East. And he said it was to discuss an insurance policy and he wanted him to meet him there at 7.30. So William, first of all, there is no men love East. There is a men love South, North, and West. So he thought maybe there was a mistake in the message. So he crossed out East and he put West and he thought, okay, this is just somebody who wants to discuss an insurance policy. He'd never heard of this guy before, didn't know who he was. So on the evening of... January 20th, Wallace did his rounds as usual. He says he got home just after 6 p.m., having been delayed slightly by drinking tea with a client. According to Wallace, he left the house via the back door for his appointment with Qualtro at around 6.45. So he says he left by the back door and that he believed that Julia followed him out and locked the gate like she always does behind him. But he can't be sure because he didn't see her do it. And then he went on his way to his appointment. Now, sometime between 635 and 640, the Wallace's milk boy delivers or comes by Alan Close and is said to have spoken to Julia. Between 630 and 640? So that doesn't match up with Wallace leaving yeah, at 645. He been there. Let me make sure. Hold on. Yeah, he says he says around 6:45. So I don't know. Anyway, the milk boy is said to speak to Julia around between 6:35 and 6:40 and he collected money. She ha- or no, she handed him back empty milk bottles and told him to hurry home. But he's the only one to have seen Julia alive supposedly after Wallace left the house. So when Wallace leaves, he travels by streetcar across Liverpool only to discover the address he's been given didn't exist. And it's kind of funny that um, while he travels, he kind of makes a point of saying things like, I'm a complete stranger to these parts, like acting like he doesn't know where he's going. But there is evidence that he took violin lessons from somebody who lived in that neighborhood. So would he necessarily have not known where he was going? Maybe he's just easily confused. But he kind of seemed to make a show of the (laughs) fact that he was there. At least that's what people believe, that he was making a show trying to be seen. He goes to the address. He knocks on the door a lady answers the door tells him that the person there's nobody by Qualtro that lives here you have the wrong address and so he doesn't know what's going on he goes home when he gets back to the house the neighbors the Johnsons they see him as he's trying to get in the front door and the front door is locked he's trying to get in the back door and the back door is locked I don't know if maybe he didn't have a key like this is in the 30s in Britain they probably didn't lock their door a lot or maybe he expected it to be open or that she would open it for him I don't know but he goes from the front door to the back door struggling to get in and they witness this and then he gets the back door open goes inside and then shortly after they hear him yell come here she's been killed So they come in and she is laying in the parlor. She's laying on a jacket. There's blood around her and she has been bludgeoned to death. So William calls the police. The house was locked. Yeah. House was locked from the inside. From the inside. What the? So he had to have done it and had a key. Had to have had a key. That's yeah. Because how else did he get in the back door? Why didn't why did he struggle to get in though? Did he not have a key? They don't ever say whether he has a key or not, but it's like if I come home and the front door is locked, I just use my key. <laughs> even if it's not supposed to be locked and I'm surprised that it's locked, I just use my key. I don't struggle. I don't have to go to the back door. So did he not even have a key? Yeah. And if not, where was his key? 
Well, but then how did he eventually get into the back door? He they don't it. say. I don't know if he... F- <laughs> if he broke the door or something? I don't know if he broke in or if he eventually unlocked it with his key. I don't know. With, I could, with his key <laughs> that he always had? <laughs> yeah, I can't. I, it didn't say. I didn't see the details on that. So when the police first arrive at the scene, John McFall checked the body for the, for the progress of rigor mortis, which back then was how they checked for time of death. It's not a very accurate method, and we have different ways of checking now. One of the other ways to have checked would have been checking the temperature of the body, but it doesn't appear that that was done, and both are flawed. So, um, But he predicted the time of death to be around 8 o'clock. However, when the official police surgeon arrived, that was changed to around 6 p.m., So, but again, he used the same method. He used rigor mortis to determine. So again, it's a very, it's not very, there's a whole lot of like specific structure or like, well, I think what it is, is just can't be, you can get a range with rigor mortis, but you can't get a specific time. Yeah. You know, so one guy says around eight, another guy says around six, but either way, it, there's it's still f- kind of in that same range to be, of what rigor mortis is. And it, you be. can't be that specific with it. Yeah. So, Could you imagine being a professional at a time when like nobody knew anything? Oh, you, would just, like, you just tell people bullshit and you're like, <laughs> trust me, I'm a professional. Yeah, I and know they just what believe you and you yeah. can't just like Google them to fact check. <laughs> So horrible. When, when did William Willis, for us, not what for the them? Fuck is his name William. When did William get Willis? home? He got home around. I want to say he got back around eight o'clock, but I'm not oh, sure. Okay. I'm not. Maybe it was like around eight thirty. I don't have it written down. I know that you got it. So he left the house about a quarter till seven. Uh-huh. He caught a tram like around seven o six, and there is evidence of that. And then he went down to this Melvorn West or Manlove. I don't know why I keep wanting to call it because Menlove is a fucking weird name for. <gasps> but he went down looking for that house. Got to figure that took a little bit of time. Yeah. Decided to head back. So it, I want to say it was before 830 after eight. Okay, so if it, if eight is correct, that was a very short amount of time for someone to have killed her and not be there anymore. And yeah. Yeah, even if lock well, the if, door and not be seen if, by anyone. Even and, if six was the time that she was killed. Well, if six was the time when she was killed, then that automatically is him. Because yeah, but he then, just said himself he didn't leave until six forty-five. That's true, but he didn't get home until six, so he would have had to have done it. Well, and six can't be the time of death if that milkman kid saw her at six thirty. Yeah. Yeah, he got home just after six, and supposedly that milkman saw her at like six thirty to six forty somewhere in there, the and then Wallace kid. left. The milk kid, the milk, the milk boy, because I, call, I called him the milkman kid. <laughs> well, he is. In, in, you're the milkman's kid. <laughs> so there's question on when she actually died. Sometime between six and eight, according to the the police that examined her. And then also, so there was some evidence that maybe this was a robbery gone bad. There was, I guess, Wallace had a cash box that he kept money. And I'm not clear if it like money from his job, but the money in that was gone. But they found money in jars in the bedroom that and some of them had blood on them. So there was question whether it was made to look like a robbery 
But he just but he put couldn't the money in a jar. Put the money in a jar elsewhere in the house. And um, nothing else was taken. Her purse was still there. It's looking more like Wallace is a suspect and the police immediately treat him as such. They question him multiple times that evening. He was taken to the police headquarters and he made a formal statement and his clothes were checked for any sign of blood and they didn't find a single drop. So this is where things get a little weird. So there was no evidence on his clothing or anywhere on his body that he had a connection to this crime. No blood on him. There was also very little blood found in the house outside of the parlor. So it was pretty contained to that area. But they did say the police said that for this crime, when it would have happened, the person, the perpetrator would have been covered in blood. It was violent in that sense. And so for him not to have any blood on him, he would have had to clean himself off. Right. Well, they also checked all of the showers and the towels and the sinks in the home and all of the faucets were dry no evidence that any had been run for like hours right all of the towels were dry there was no water anywhere on the floor so if he did clean himself up after committing this crime he did a really good job of then cleaning up hiding the fact that he did this so like it's weird too if there is that much blood or supposed to be that much blood but like it was just pooled around her like there were no splatters or anything like if the suspect is supposedly covered in blood like they're thinking were that there they no are splatters or was it just contained to that it was just area. contained to that room oh, was, to so there the could room have it was a bloody mess in <laughs> oh, okay that room. i was confused but it was just contained it was to like that no room. one had tracked it so like if he had been trying to clean up after himself there was no blood anywhere else in Weird. the house other than I think there was blood in one spot. Yeah, there was only a very little blood found outside the parlor. Wait, there was also very little blood found outside the parlor except a small clot on the rim of the lavatory pan. Blood somehow did get into the bathroom, but whatever. I don't know. It's still kind of weird. The whole thing's kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> so Wallace tells them about Qualtro. And the call that was made and um, they found out, they traced that call and they found out that it was made from a phone box only 400 yards away from Wallace's home. Um, this The police concluded that Wallace and Qualtro were one and the same and it was just an excuse for him to have an alibi. So they... That was my thought too. That's how what I'm kind thinking of name is Qualtro? also, especially because like he's an insurance agent essentially and so he would know exactly how to get the most life insurance from this death there is that theory too that maybe he was going for the life insurance um and we'll talk we'll talk a little bit we'll touch on i that. think he had so, a helper split the money with and then the police also did check to see if wallace could reach the 706 tram after committing this crime within this window and cleaning himself up and all of that. And they determined that they believe that he would have been able to do it, but it was still a very short amount of time. So it would have given him less than an hour to kill Julia, change his clothes, clean himself of any blood, walk to the tram stop and be sighted on the tram by seven Oh six. I mean, if he got home at six, a little after six, so could it be done? The police 
they said, yeah, that could be done. They believed it it was possible. So they arrested him. They charged him with murder. He went to trial and he was convicted, found guilty and sentenced to hang. Oh, and that's where we're going to take our break. hangings in the 30s. And that's in, in Britain, I guess. But that's where we're going to take our break. All right. That's not the end of the story, though. Wow. Anybody have anything to add? <laughs> no, I don't think so. What do you guys think? You think he's guilty? Yeah. I think he's guilty, but had a helper. Hey, little Shemmies. Thanks for tuning in. While we were on our break, I just wanted to let you guys know how you can get a hold of us if you wanted to send us an email with your spooky stories. I'm still waiting for you to tell me those so I could tell them to you. Our email is ffsthepodcast at gmail.com. We'd also love to hear from you on the various social media sites. We're ffsthepodcast on Instagram and on Twitter and on Facebook. You can find us at E-F-F-E-D up story time. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for tuning in. We love you, Shemmies. And uh, back to the show. Here's to long poops. <laughs> and we're back from break. Woo! Right on. Should we just jump back into the story? Let's just jump right in. All right. So where we left off, William was sentenced to hang. But William appealed his case. And the whatever the higher court the appellate court in Britain determined that all of the evidence that they had against William was circumstantial. They didn't find any DNA evidence on him, on his clothes and his car or well, he didn't have a car. He walked, but you know, <laughs> and so they granted his appeal and he was set free, he set f- a wow. free man. And approximately two years later, he died. Oh my God. Because of kidney disease, of his ailing oh, kidneys. Yeah. And so he only lived a couple years after. So the question is, was William really guilty and did he get away with it because they didn't have enough evidence or did something else happen? Because there are a lot of people that believe that he just did not have the time to commit the crime, to get himself cleaned up and to get to the trolley or whatever, the tram at 7.06 and... No evidence of the shower or the tub or the sink or anything being run. No wet towels. No blood anywhere around the house other than the parlor and that one place next to the lavatory. So it's interesting. But the house was locked from the inside. I feel like maybe it was some like Breaking Bad type shit where he was like super sick and didn't have the money to pay for his bills and sacrificed his wife to get the insurance money and had a friend. And that could be. There is the question, though, the insurance. He did have an insurance policy on Julia, and it paid 20,000 pounds. And he ended up spending every penny of that on his defense. And so he really wasn't ahead at all. So there's question. He still got it, even though after he was convicted? Because a lot of insurance policies have like a stipulation that if you fucking kill the person who you took the insurance policy out, you don't get it. I don't know if he actually received the money. He would have uh, only received 20,000 pounds. Which isn't that much. Which what? he ended up 30s, spending that much money on his on defense, his um, if not more. And so, and and it was pointed as like not being enough money to really kill your wife. 
there's also the question that if Julie, I'm sorry, I'm going to jump back a little bit. But if Julia had been seen also alive by the milk boy, the milk kid, by the milk kid, then that would have left Wallace only William like 10 minutes to yeah. have clean, to have killed her, cleaned himself up and left yeah. less, less than that even. And so there's that question. And everybody also said he was a slow mover. He wasn't somebody who could ne- you, that you would necessarily think pull something like that off quickly. He was sickly. He was sickly. And then also he kept a diary that he had kept religiously before years before he, Julia died. And then after she died, he continued to keep a diary. But he always wrote lovingly about Julia. And he's this sickly man. Like, why would he kill his wife? You know, he didn't really have a motive other than maybe the insurance money. But there are people that believe that he snapped or that he was so distraught with his job not going where he wanted it to go, things like that. There is also the theory that there is somebody else that committed this crime out of revenge because they were mad at him. So there was a fellow named Perry that worked with Wallace, and Wallace was responsible for Perry losing his job. So Perry was Um. angry. He was 22 at the time. Don't kill someone's wife because you're angry, bro. Kill them at least. So, so he, I agree with you. Absolutely. Kill. (laughs) Don't kill anyone, but no. So he was a member of an amateur dramatic society and it was at the same place where Wallace's chess club met. So he would have been able to see the schedule for the chess club and know when Wallace was going to be there. This would have allowed him to know when to send a message to Wallace to try to get him away from the house. And so the theory is this, that he made up this Qualtro to get him away from the house. But why kill Julia? The thought is that he was kind of a degenerate and always looking for money and the kind of guy that would steal money. So the thought was that he went to rob. He knew that the cash would be there because he knew the schedule of the cash through the insurance company he had been fired from so he knew how that it would be like the most cash that night is the most cash that's ever in that box and so that is the theory but why didn't he take any of the other money yeah and why did some of the money in the jar have blood on it the jar and why didn't he take that money why didn't he take her purse why did he have to kill her yeah how was the door locked from the inside you know there's all good questions those are those questions so (laughs) I guess Perry was questioned in the 60s. Um, There were some authors that were writing a book, uh, Jonathan Goodman and Richard Whittington Egan. And they confronted Perry. Perry stated that he often went around to Wallace's house um, and he would sing for Julia. She was an amateur musician. And so like William would also play violin with her and stuff. And uh, but it seemed that Wallace was unaware of these visits Perry also gave a false alibi. He had um, a girlfriend at the time, Lily Lloyd, who said that Wallace was with her, and she has later come out and said that she lied for him. And then the most damning evidence is an employee at a garage, John Parks, claimed that Perry turned up the night of the murder and asked for his car to be cleaned inside and out. Parks claimed to have found a bloody glove in one of the compartments, so, I don't know. I mean, again, 
But then it, how was the door locked from the inside out? Was he having an affair? Oh, I don't know. That's just something that popped in my head right now. But I mean, <laughs> why would he have a key? Yeah. Did William give him the key to kill her for him? All good questions. All good <laughs> questions. So the world will never know. Is Perry dead now? Well, it's the 30s. Yeah. And he was an adult. So yeah. I'm going to say yes. <laughs> And, you know, and then there's questions. If Perry wanted to murder Julia, he could have just done it while Wallace was at the chess game. Why create this elaborate ruse to get him out of the house? Because he knew his schedule or he had access to it anyway. And so that still seems like something William was really trying to plant this alibi. But that's so weird, too, if he's out doing these chess games all the time. And he just hires has, someone to kill, or does he have them at his house? No, he, he goes to this club. He's part of a chess club. Yeah. And once a week they meet. So, so like, if you're going to hire someone to kill your wife, do it on the day that you already have a very solid alibi because you're regularly yeah. going to this chess club. Yeah, I know. It's weird to create this to whole... To create a whole ruse, yeah. Ruse with a street that doesn't exist, an address that doesn't exist. Like, that's weird. Or could there be a Qualtro out there that just maybe he's in North Menlove or yeah, whatever it's west. called and not West or East and he just missed his meeting with him. I don't know, but nobody Weird. ever came forward saying that they were this that person. That they were Qualtro. Yeah. So William's family, Julia's family, all of his, most of his colleagues have all stuck by William's side saying that they don't believe that he did it, that he, they didn't think he was capable of committing the crime. Perry was never more than questioned, you know, and, uh, We'll never know. It's still one of the biggest unsolved mysteries. Yeah. So that's it. That's my story. Wow. Good story, mama. So any more theories? We have any more discussion about it? I don't have a happy thought, so I'm just going to tell you a joke (laughs) and we're going to say goodbye. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I've said everything I've already The door being locked is the weirdest thing. Door being locked, both of them from the inside. And there's one person that was quoted saying something like, uh, this is one of those, like, there's nobody that could have done it other than William, but there's no way that William could have done it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Something like that. I also think it's interesting just the fact that when he did end up like getting the back door open, like, it makes me wonder if he was like struggling to get in as like a show i don't know his yeah. behavior is, it is all just a so show? weird yeah like all of his behavior like the way that he like waited for the neighbors to come over before he was able to get into the house and then finds her almost immediately and is like guys it could just be coincidence though come watch me you know stumble what I mean? upon this body that i definitely had nothing to do with murdering. it could just be i mean i think that the johnsons like there was some things that i read that said that he was like distressed like he felt like something was wrong like the house was dark the doors were locked he expected mm. the gate wasn't yeah. locked and if that's like something that you're walking be... into and it's not normally like that then that could cause some yeah. panic and stress that's true <clears throat> I just nobody don't trust thinks men. I know. Well, and it's just weird because how else would it have happened? I kind of like the theory that for some reason somebody had a key. Somebody had to have had a key. I don't necessarily think it was William that killed her because I don't see how he yeah. could have gotten himself cleaned up yeah. without using the shower, without leaving evidence somewhere in the house. Even in the 30s, they would have been able to, I think, determine that he did it in that sense. I don't know. But somebody had to have had a key. 
to be able to do it. It was the milk kid. The milk kid had a key. The milk kid killed her. Just because it was locked up. Unless they stole a key from her from inside the house. There's no mention of a stolen key. So I still wonder if she was having an affair and Perry had a key or if William hired somebody to do it and gave them a key. I don't know. Weird. (laughs) All right. You guys ready for my things that don't suck? Things that don't suck. My one thing that doesn't suck. One thing that don't suck. (laughs) One thing doesn't suck. (laughs) (laughs) And there it is. Say goodnight. (laughs) Goodnight. (laughs) All right. I'm going to tell a joke. A penguin takes his car to the shop and the mechanic says it'll take about an hour for him to check it. While he waits, the penguin goes to an ice cream shop and orders a big sundae to pass the time. The penguin isn't the cleanest eater and he ends up covering covered in melted ice cream. When he returns to the shop, the mechanic takes one look at him and says, looks like you blew a seal. No, the penguin insists it's just ice cream. That was really stupid. No, I love dumb jokes. I like it. Here's another one. What's the difference between a gynecologist and a genealogist? What? A genealogist looks up the family tree. A gynecologist looks up the family bush. (laughs) 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 All right, we'll leave it on that. I think we're done. (laughs) I guess say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Any words of wisdom to leave our shimmies with? Um, just listen to the margarita song. Feel it in your soul. You give me one margarita. I'm going to open my legs. Give me two margaritas. I'm going to give you some. Give me three margaritas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make you some eggs. Just after two margaritas, you're out of Give me four margaritas. I'm going to put it in my tush. <laughs> 